Welcome to another episode of The Pity Party. We are three Muslim women born in different parts of the world that call the greater Toronto area home for many, many, many years. I've grown up here. Rafi and Omeya came at different stages in their lives. As women with disabilities, we have over 150 years of combined experience. Yes, we are middle-aged women. We have plenty of stories of our trials and triumphs to share with you to have a pity party today. So, I am Rabia and I'm blind. I'm Rafia and I'm in a wheelchair. I'm Omaya and I'm in a wheelchair too. is Islamic History Month as proclaimed by the Parliament of Canada and Islamic Heritage Month also proclaimed in the province of Ontario. This is an opportunity for children in the education system to learn about the history of Muslims in Canada and beyond and their contributions to science, to technology, to astronomy, to everything humanity. (laughs) Um, And it's also an opportunity to feature uh, art and literature in different spaces and places like libraries and museums and, and in virtual space to showcase and celebrate the contributions of Muslims throughout history. So as Muslims with disabilities, we are contributing to advancing accessibility and inclusion in Canada. And maybe one day this will also form a part of the history celebrated of contributions of Muslims in Canada. So ladies, what have we been doing to advance accessibility? Well, I remember um, in the 80s working in Canada here and starting an organization called EarthCo, the Ethno-Racial People with Disabilities Coalition of Ontario. And, and Rabia, you and, and Omaya, both of you have been involved in this organization. And subhanAllah, it's been the, the very first organization that deals with racialized people with disabilities. And since then, we were talking about accessibility in terms of inclusion for racialized people with disabilities and people from all different faiths and background. So since in the 80s, and you know, that's been a long, long time ago. And that's how I got to know both of you. And, and you know, Rafia, I've always, you know, admired you as my mentor who got me into all this trouble of disability rights. Trouble, she called I didn't know my, what my rights were until I got connected to ERDCO and I didn't know how to fight for them until I got connected to ERDCO. Yes, I knew them on the books. I studied them in university, but I didn't know how to express my experience yeah. until I met ERDCO. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I was, I was active uh, with <laughs> with the movement, like uh, the disability movement in Lebanon before I came, right? And then when I came, of course, I start looking for the people with disabilities, like the organizations. So I got introduced to Ontario March of Dimes. <laughs> so I went there and I was a, a volunteer and attended all the meetings and did a lot of events, helped them. 
then eventually I got to meet Rafia, and then we start working on Earth Go. Mm-hmm. And uh, same thing, like we feel like we need to open doors and uh, for accessibility. Then later on, I met Rabia, and Rabia and I teamed up, right? And we sort of we were testing accessibility in all the events that the community have. Because With we, all had our, kids. we had our kids, so we had to take kids, right? So we really, really were there. Like, imagine me, Rabia, and seven kids. <laughs> oh, we had fun. We had fun times. Yeah, it was so much fun, right? Yeah, we, we created things for our kids to do, you know, the things that yeah. we never did. We made yeah. sure our girls got to swim, which right. we never did. Right. And actually... I got in the pool because Omaya wouldn't, and our youngest two girls were always sitting on the side. I didn't quite learn how to swim, but I learned how to just carry them into the pool and let them play one by one. You yeah. know, I have a Omaya always drove us everywhere. Right, I have a phobia of water. Then eventually we found somebody. Remember, we found uh, Abigail, the girl, and then she came and she started like swimming with them. Yeah. So that was good. And we organized the swimming program, like me and Rabia together. Yeah, so, we kind of took over. So, so you're saying the things our kids make us do, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think I think we broke a lot of rules too. Omey and I used to have stories that we would tell to get pity. Remember Omey? Yep. Because because remember we when we took remember when we go took the go train and we went, we took the kids and we had two two sitters with us. And we took the kids, they wanted to go on the train to the CNE. And we took them all. And then we were sitting on the go train. You were upstairs. There was no room for, you know, no, me, I had a scooter. So there's no way I can go to the second deck, right? So Rabia, you were there. And the kids were up and down. They go between you and me, right? And then we arrived. So we got out. You forgot your keys upstairs. Oh, and no. the yeah, and and you and the kids had left, like gone with the sitters, right? And you and me, <laughs> sorry, are standing, are standing there. Then the stewardess came to the door. We said to her, "Can you please? There is a set of key upstairs. We forgot them. Can you please get them?" And she looked at both. She looked at you, Rabia. She said, "Okay, she can't walk. But what's wrong with you? You told her I can't see. If I go up, I can't find them." And she can't go up. She can see, but she can't make it up. Poor thing, the lady. She paused like a few seconds. Then she ran up, right? Because they stopped the train. She ran up and she got us the key and we were on our way. <laughs> no, but we had we had stories prepared because Omeya drove, you know, she had a lift on the back to put her scooter and she drove her Odyssey. So we would pack up all the kids. There's seven kids and two of us and seven seats. So we used to, you know, violate those safety rules, right? When our kids were little, we double belted them and all that kind of stuff. And we we had these stories. Omaya used to say, if we ever get pulled over, she'll pull up her crutch and, and say to the <laughs> officer, well, she can't see and I can't walk. And we have all these kids. What do you want us to do? That's <laughs> true. That's a good one. That's a good we used, one. We used to come up with stories of how can we leverage the pity to our advantage. And we wanted our kids to have a normal life. Like uh-huh. we really uh-huh. wanted them to, you know, not feel that oh their moms have a disability, so they can't do this or they can't do that. 
we really want to give them a full swing of life, whatever they want. But in a, make sure like they're safe and, you know, uh, uh, so they can get that experience. So that that was the goal. Yeah, we never wanted them to feel deprived. We never yeah. wanted them to feel sorry for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that was really important. Yeah. And, and the other piece of it was, I mean, I couldn't always pay for cabs to take my kids everywhere. Hard, yeah. And because I had four kids, I'd always need a van, not just a car. And, and, you know, how am I going to manage with car seats and this and that? My husband was busy working. I also worked, but I had hard. more flexibility, really hard. you know? Like if you have a disability, honestly, and you're a parent, it's layers and layers of challenges. Like for example, trans help in Mississauga, you can only, it's for you and a caregiver. You can't take child with you. So imagine if I want to take my child with me to a doctor, I can't use trans mm-hmm. help like mm-hmm. and a caregiver. Like imagine that the layers and layers of challenges well some of those rules have relaxed over time but it's still accessible transportation is not ideal for families no so so let's talk about early years let's talk about when our kids were babies i mean Mm -hmm. i gotta tell you thank god i had my mom and a husband that was open-minded i hated doing diapers diapers were not the easiest thing i you know, also it was challenging because, you know, I couldn't always see all the poop, right? To clean it up properly. <laughs> yeah. I, I I had a very interesting time with, with diapers because I, I do have a person who works with me like full time when I when I was with the kids. And um one of the things is was um at that time, you know, nobody was home and just me and the kids. And and then he, you know, my little Ahmad decided to sue number two. So I'm like, I, and he's crying, so I have to change him. And I, you know, as I said, I only can use one hand, you know. So I put him down there and I'm like trying to do everything. And then, and, and he was, I said, I, I talked to him. I said, Ahmed, you're going to, you're going to work with mommy. You're going to work with me. And, you know, we're going to get this done. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's, he sat, he, he lied down so still. And I was turning over, wipe the part, turning him the other side, wipe the other part. Then, you know, when it's all thing, I throw him over my shoulder, took him to the washroom. I couldn't get into there by the tub, but I had to do it in the sink to wash him off and things like that. But, uh, you know, it's interesting how children pick up on, you yeah. know, on your intuition and they understand, right? Uh, sometimes I watch how the um, my attendant would, would, would change him and he would be like kicking all over the place and fighting. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes to me, he was like, calm. Is your mom, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he understood. So that Same. was interesting. With me, it was because I'm, I was working all the time, right? So very little time I have. So in the daytime, I had a sitter, right? But in the evening, they're mine in the weekend. So what I used to do, if they need to change diaper, I teach them as, as far as they can start walking, I teach them. You go get the diaper and the wipe and come and lie down. And they do it, Rafia, exactly like you're saying. So they come, they bring the diaper and the wipe, and they lay down and they wait for me. Look how cute it is, right? I know, so, I know. Yeah, so it was it was really, really like heartwarming, like like yeah. you say, like how how kids accept you, how kids work with you, how kids uh, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing. 
experience. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I, you know, a lot of times you hear all these horror stories of children's aid intervening and, and, you know, unfortunately, people don't always have the supports they need to be successful parents. And there have been some really sad situations that I've intervened in. But we have the right to be mothers. Mm-hmm. We have the right to raise our children. We will figure it out. It's natural in whatever way, shape, or form. I mean, okay, I'll admit, I carried my kids. Did I bump them into a wall once or twice? You know, boom. Sure, I did. They're perfectly fine. That's not intended. Yeah, I know. I know. I tell you, one of, one of the things for me when, when my kids were small, I was worried about how I'm going to teach them to pray. Because um, because I'm in a wheelchair, I sit and pray, right? And I don't. I, I want him to stand up and do it, you know, you know, the, the right the the right way, kind of thing. And I was like so overthinking this and so consumed about how are they gonna, how I'm gonna teach him to pray, right? But subhanallah, like my, my husband take them to the to the masjid and, and 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 you know, and they saw what they were doing and they would follow. And even when I pray with them alone, like me and them, they would still stand up and pray. But one day, one of my kids said to me, Mommy, can I sit down and pray? And I said, sure you can. <laughs> sure you can. But, you know, but it's better for you to stand up, you know. But so the, it, it's interesting how they, how we would worry about something, but then it would all turn out to be right. Okay, you know, at the end. I remember one of the most vulnerable moments for me is we were at a playground and I uh, my little was like one and a half she's sitting with me or two uh, in the scooter and the other two are playing on the swings and Aya was heavy remember Rabia she was really heavy and Amina is like older than Aya seven years so Aya want to sit in the swing I can't make it to the swing because the scooter will sink in the sand, sand, right. they put yes, sand right. and I can't get out right so yeah there, there were no accessible playgrounds back then and yeah. I Amina could not hold Aya to put her in the swing and Aya wanted this swing. so I said to Aya mom should we go get them some refreshment there was like a convenience store across right so you can pick mama what you give them and so I convinced her she said yes so I said you guys play we're going to just cross to the convenience store and get you some refreshment so she went, she picked them what they like, and she came back, and she feeling like a million bucks and forgot all about it. So, yeah, there were a lot of vulnerable moments that we really had to find an alternative way to make it, like, okay, so the kids don't hold it, like, don't mm-hmm. hold onto it, you know, and they feel it, like, my mommy. For you, for me, it's that independence of being able to get around, right? Mm-hmm. Do things, do things with your kids. Yes, the lifting, the moving, that was a challenge, but you drove, that was huge. Yeah. For me, one of the things that I found really challenging was, you know, I wanted to be able to read to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a regular thing to do to support your child in their development. Mm-hmm. I even took up learning Braille. Yeah. And, you know, people think that every blind person knows Braille and has no. to be a super reader with Braille. I was really lousy at Braille. I found it so slow and cumbersome, you know. Not every person uses Braille. Not every person is taught Braille. I took it up. I learned grade one Braille, but I wasn't that good at it. And then I just gave in and, you know, we we 
they learned how to read eventually on their own through school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got some volunteers to help read books and stuff to them. Um, Today, there's more alternatives technology wise, but there's nothing like reading an old fashioned book to your child. And that's Mm -hmm. a challenge for blind parents. Rabia, how how did you coordinate your clothes in terms of colors and stuff like that? Or is it something they did? For themselves? Yeah. I always knew what I bought them, right? When they were younger, it was easier. I knew what I bought. I made sure, you know, I needed help with laundry. So I I always, I, because I'm blind, I don't need personal care. There aren't funded services that can support me. But, you know, that's where I spent my money that I earned. I was lucky enough to be able to find people that I could pay to help me and always had my mom, right? So I would get those things organized and matched. But as soon as they were old enough, like, you know, those were the little things that I taught them uh, to figure out color and to bring things and to find things. I mean, my biggest moment of freedom was when I could hop on the bus and take them to the mall, you know, and, and do those kinds of things with them. Yeah. Interesting. So we've been through a lot as mothers, again, highs and lows. Um, I think most recently, guys, what I can tell you, and I'm really opening up something, and I think if my children hear this, it'll have an impact on them, but my daughter got married. Shema got married this summer. And when she was dressed up as a bride and needing a little help around to do this and do that and fix things, as a mother, I felt very inadequate that I couldn't help my daughter fix her uh, veil and things like that properly. Like, you know, I really wanted that mother daughter moment and, and that I couldn't, I could imagine her, but I couldn't really see her dressed. Mm. That made me really like, if, when I started to think about it, I was about to fall apart. And then I just caught my tears and and smiled Mm. and, and moved on from it. But we have our highs and lows, you know, like, like we keep saying, there are times where we feel sorry for each other, where we pity ourselves, where we don't have, you know, a way to overcome a certain barrier, right? But, hey, I always say, I see things differently, and I don't waste time seeing, I spend time doing, so I always move on. So a big part of it is in our attitude but there are those moments since you're a mother-in-law now you can you know who you can take it on <laughs> that's like that's an inside joke oh my <laughs> and on that note it's a wrap for another episode of the pity party thanks for joining us thank you I like this.